0: Doing okay? <laughs> All right. I ask that question every week, hoping I'll get a better response, and it's always the same. Um, last night, or not last night, uh, two nights ago, we had our dream team party, uh, the '70s dream team party. You, you guys that came, uh, showed up, showed out, you showed off your '70s vibe. I think is the word the kids use these days. Uh, And what's that? My wife's like, I don't think that's true. Um, But whatever, Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Thanks for coming out to that. If you missed it, uh, I'm sorry that you missed it. Uh, There will be another one next year. Uh, So (laughs) we would love for you to come and be a part of that as well. We actually do, uh, when we have our Dream Team appreciation, we do one at uh, this time of year and then around the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, we do kind of another shot in the arm just to say thank you for all you do to serve our church. And it was a lot of fun. Well, uh, I've already got a question this morning. But if you, as uh, I'm speaking this morning, as I'm teaching, uh, and you would like to ask a question, there's a phone number, 210-646-4457. Uh, you can text your question into that number. And uh, I will receive that here, and I will do my best to monitor that as I'm going along. If I can pause and interrupt the message to answer the question, I will do my best to do that. Otherwise, I will answer those at the end. And if I can't get to all of them, then I will answer them throughout the week. Uh, Second service uh, currently is in first place of asking questions. So either you guys know it all. Or, uh, or you're just uh, a little intimidated to ask questions, and so I just want to invite you to, to feel free to do that. Uh, I, do, I did get a question uh, this morning already. Uh, after 16 years in ministry, and it's actually, for me, it's now 21 years in ministry... Uh, doing pastoral work. Do you ever stop being totally amazed by revelations, realizing new things? Do you ever get to a point where you have been there, done that, and seen it all? I guess I'm asking, is there an end to what feels like this bottomless treasure trove of riches being poured out by God, specifically learning new things or understanding old things at deeper levels? I thought that was an interesting question, and I I promise you that was texted to me unprompted uh, by the message today, but Uh, Today, we are going to talk about uh, deeper things, Uh, things that I believe God wants to take you deeper in. And uh, to answer this question, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I don't think we ever get to the bottom of this uh, treasure trove of things that God wants to do in our life. Uh, There are moments and times, uh, I should say seasons of my life, uh, where I Uh, sense the presence of God more than other times. Uh, There are times in my life where it does feel like I'm just running on a treadmill, and it's like Sunday seems to come every single day, and and so it's like getting prepared and ready for Sunday. We'll get done with uh, today's services, and then tomorrow I'll submit my notes for the next week's services. And and so it does feel that way at times. But here's what, what I've discovered in uh, in ministry and in life is that um, nothing I can do within my own abilities um, can even compare to what God can do through me. And and if I'm available to him, if I make myself available to him, uh, he will utilize and answer any of the things that I'm asking him to. To do in my life so if uh, if I say God would you create a divine moment this week of, of in an interaction with someone who's far from Jesus who just needs to be encouraged and loved and given hope uh, it always happens when you ask when he it, there's a scripture that talks about him giving us good gifts right if, if our own father gives us gifts, Uh, that are good? How much more does our Heavenly Father give us good gifts? He wants to give you gifts, and there's just no end to those gifts in your life. All right, we're going to jump in. Um, There's some crazy things going on in our world today. Uh, Before we jump into the the sermon series, I just want to acknowledge the fact that um, it's not lost on me. I mean, I'm not oblivious uh, to the the current events of our time, uh, the Russian-Ukrainian uh, war that's taking place right now, and and um, my job is not to uh, get involved into the politics of our uh, government or governments, the politics of this world. Uh, that's not my role. My my role is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Uh, in, that, in the world in which we live. And the world in which we live is, is a mess. It just is. And so I'll, I'm doing my best, and through God's grace and his help, equipping you to bring the message of Jesus into a world that is hurting and broken and messy. And, and I was reminded of a scripture in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, Because here's the the reality, is God's solution to this world is not governments. God's solution to this world isn't politics. God's solution to this world is the church. That is it. And this is what Isaiah chapter 28 verse 16 says. Everyone is unsettled. (laughs) Right? Everyone is unsettled. The governments and institutions are crumbling. I lay in Zion, and Zion is often referred to as it's a type. It's an example of the church. I lay in Zion a sure foundation, a solid rock. And it goes on to say, the one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. We are not to be a people of panic. Whether it's war or rumors of war or whether it's pandemics or any of these things, we are not to be people of panic because no matter what's going on out in the world, we have a sure foundation. We have Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing of who God is has changed. And so we rest and we rely on that. For some who have stressed, and uh, had fear, and heartache, and pain, I understand that there are emotions that we experience, for sure, but I just want to encourage you this morning that we don't have to be a people of panic. We have a sure foundation. We have a solid rock that is Christ Jesus. All right, well, we are in a series called Who We Are. And who we are are a people who pursue all that God has for us. And there are some who I believe have missed out on the more that God has for your life. You're saved. You're going to heaven. You, you, you believe in Jesus and you have submitted your life to him, but that there's even more that he wants to do in your life. There's more that he has for you. And I'll show you kind of the picture of this in Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 through 10. However, you know what? I love this. I can just pound this. Uh, I'm going to, before I do this, I feel like I should pray because I kind of gave a little heavy lesson on panic, and, uh, and then I was like, okay, let's move on, let's, you know, let's pray, like, can we pray for the conflict that's going on in our world right now, can we do that, all right, uh, Lord, we do bring this to you, and Lord, although we are not people of panic, we are not people who uh, are going to fear or fret for our own lives, because our own lives, for, for most in this room, most of the, those who are watching online, our lives are... Are founded, our foundation is in you. So no matter what this world has to offer, no matter what this world brings, we know that we are secure and solid in our relationship with you. But Lord, there is a whole world that is hurting right now. There are people who are affected, who are being affected. Their are lives being lost in the midst of the conflict of this world. And we're not surprised by it. Because we see it all throughout Scripture. We see the foreshadowing of wars and rumors of wars. We, we see the foreshadowing of the earth grumbling. And, and we know that there is a time at which you will return and restore things back to new. Unfortunately, we're in this time where that is not the case yet. And so, God, I pray for peace I pray you are a God of peace. I pray for a peace in the midst of chaos. God, that there would be a peace in the midst of an unsettling time, Lord, that, that in the unsettledness of this world would not creep into to the church becoming unsettled. We are settled people in our relationship with you. And God, I pray for safety. God, I pray for provision and care. God, I pray for things to be resolved and ultimately for peace. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Let me show you in Scripture how there are some who uh, have missed out on the more. In 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10, it says, however, as, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared. That God has some things that he's prepared for you that you've never had for those who love him. But God has, that's present tense, so that's now, God has revealed it to us by his spirit. And he introduces this term spirit, Holy Spirit. The The Greek word is pneuma. It's where we get uh, our word pneumonia because pneumonia is a disease of the, uh, it's something to do with the lungs. It's a, a, a sickness of the lungs where we get our breath, our life. And Pneuma in Scripture, the the Greek word for Spirit, for Holy Spirit, has to do with the breath, the energy, the life, the wind. And this is introduced to us in this verse. And it goes on, it says, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. That there's more that you can go after. And I believe the more that you can go after is more of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I'm going to do my best this morning to present this in a maybe little more deeper theological way, in a way that doesn't scare you, that doesn't push you off, that doesn't freak you out this morning. There's no need to get antsy in your seats. Like we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the more that God has for our life. With everything going on this world, in this world, I don't want to be operating on the power that Ryan can bring. Right? It's not enough. It's not I don't, I don't want to be operating, and you don't want to be operating just out of our own abilities. When we go into our life circle, when we go into the unsettledness of this world, we need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to be with us. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. That's what we want, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 4 says, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it is living by God's power. I think we've fallen into the trap where we think we could just talk people into the kingdom of God, and the truth is, is that what people need right now is a touch of God. They need the power and the presence of God in their life. They need the hope of God through the Holy Spirit. And so I want to invite you into that. I want to let you know that God has more for you. That what we have is not all that God has. And I'm going to go into a bit of theology this morning that I believe that there are three foundational things that God has for you. And those three things, the terminology that we're going to use this morning is three baptisms that he has for you. And we're going to take a look at those uh, one at a time, and we're going to kind of break those down. And by we, I mean me. I'm going to break those down for you uh, into that. When we hear the term baptism, we think this, right? This is a a horse trough uh, that has water in it, but we use it as a baptismal. We don't necessarily think horse trough when we hear baptism, but we do think water when we hear baptism. But really, the terminology baptismo, the Greek word baptismo, means to submerge yourself in. Now, you can submerge yourself in water for sure, but there's also just the ability to submerge yourself into the things of God. To baptize yourself into the things that God has for your life. The Bible refers to three baptisms that are available to you. You could use in our modern day language uh, that this is that this baptisms or these baptisms are to go all in for your life. The first one that the Bible refers to is called salvation. It's baptism into the body of Christ. It's salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says, For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body. In other words, when you give your life to Jesus, you don't just join Jesus, you join his family. You're a part of one body. You are a part of the family of God. It's why we gather on Sunday mornings and not just gather a bunch of information in isolation. Even you who are watching online with us this morning, this is a part of of kind of the gathering. It's a little bit of a different kind of gathering, but when we come together, we aren't just individual Christians. We are the family of God. We are, as Scripture refers to us as sheep, we are the, the flock of God. These group terminologies. And for some of us, you may have never been submersed in salvation. And I want to take this a step further, and this may seem a little nuanced to you, but there are some that are saved. They, they're going to heaven. They've, they've surrendered their life to God, but, they, but you haven't submerged yourself into the things of God, into salvation. Galatians 3, 26 through 27 says, you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed clothed yourselves with Christ. This is salvation. It's the first and the most important baptism. And hear me when I say that. This This is it, right? We should be as a people... Pursuing others who are far from God and helping baptize them into salvation. Helping them understand what salvation is and getting them into the kingdom of God. It is the most important of the baptisms. The second one, and just so I'm clear, these are separate. It's called water baptism. Water baptism is the public declaration of our faith. Uh, this is going to be something you're going to witness this morning. We have uh, one baptism first service, one baptism second service, and and maybe more. We'll see uh, by the time we get done with the message today. Um, so this is a public declaration of our faith. This is not salvation. Now there are some people, and you've, if you've been around here very long, you've heard me say this. There are some Churches, some denominations that believe that you have to be baptized in order to be saved. But that's just simply not true. In fact, it would contradict and violate the scripture that says that we are saved by grace through faith, not of what? works. Well, to get baptized, to publicly declare your faith is a work. It's an action that you do. Therefore, this would violate that. This is separate. You do not have to be baptized to go to heaven, but you are encouraged to be baptized. You are encouraged to walk in obedience. As Jesus himself was baptized by John the Baptist, we are to walk that out in our life. And this is just a great reminder for us that our faith isn't this private, keep-to-myself type of thing. No, when you enter into salvation, the baptism of salvation, it now becomes a public thing. Now you get water baptized as a representation of the death, burial, and resurrection. You, you are uh, before, underneath the water, and then after. And you're basically saying, listen, my life was this way, I met Christ, and now my life is this way, and I want everybody to know it. Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. Your salvation is a free gift. And if anybody tells you, well, yeah, salvation is is a free gift, but no, no buts. There's no buts. It's Salvation is a free gift. You are saved by grace through faith, not of works. Yeah, but, no, no buts. Jesus paid it all. Don't cheapen the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross by saying that we can do anything to gain more favor, more grace, more love of our God. We cannot, we cannot. Acts 2, 41 says, those who accepted his message were baptized this second baptism, that we're going to let others know to publicly acknowledge that I belong to God. But it does not save us. It just reminds people and tells people that we belong to him. Some say that it's not enough that you get baptized, but the, baptized in water, but that the words that you use have to be said the right way or it doesn't count. In fact, just in the news right now is a story in Michigan. There's a situation where hundreds of baptisms over the course of like 20 years were deemed invalid because the person who performed the baptism decided to change the proper words, the formula, to baptism using we baptize you instead of I baptize you. And we wonder why the world thinks that we are nuts. Right? I mean, that... So so you're telling me that I'm going to be accountable because I made the decision to get baptized. and, And while the person baptizing me, while I'm underwater and can't hear what they're saying, says something different than what they should say and come back up that now all of a sudden that means I'm not baptized. Listen, it's not the person who's saying the things that's getting baptized. It's your heart publicly declaring to the world that you are baptized, that you belong to God. There are some who even fight over how we say the words in the sense of, do we baptize, in, and churches split over this. Do we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, or do we baptize in the name of Jesus Christ? They split, like, like churches, like in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, or in the name of Jesus And so if you're wondering how we baptize at Lifehouse, we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. (laughs) Matthew 10, 32 through 33 says, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men is not good. I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Let me encourage you that if you've never done this, if you've never gone public with your faith, and I get it, there are people who are like, I'm embarrassed to get wet in front of people. I don't want to get my hair wet. Jesus died on a cross. He died on a cross for you. I think it's okay to get your hair wet. I think it's okay to be a little embarrassed because you're in front of people. Listen, this this is something where we as believers, it's one of the only things, really. There's communion as a sacrament. There's baptism as this sacrament. this, This opportunity for us to publicly acknowledge that we belong to God. And if, like I said earlier in our worship time, if we are too insecure or too fearful of that, I would just ask God, Give me the strength. Give me the confidence to be able to step out into the things that you've called me to do. And if you're here this morning and you've never gotten baptized, uh, can I just tell you that uh, you can get baptized today. Uh, in at, Towards the end of service, my mom's going to be available right over here. Her name's Diane. Uh, we've got deodorant and underwear and shorts and towels and all of the things that you need, what did you say? And shirts, yeah, yeah. you're going to need a shirt. Uh, all, all of the things to get baptized if you want to get baptized today. Now, if you, you're like, I don't know if I can do that today, uh, next month we will have baptism again. Uh, and you can just sign up by going on to the, uh, the link at lifehousesay.com. But if you've never done this, and I get this question all the time, what if I was baptized as an infant? I grew up Catholic, and uh, and that was what they did. They did a sprinkling, a christening, or a baptism that way. And and I will tell you that in uh, in that case, they believe that uh, baptism, infant baptism, is salvation. And we don't believe that. Uh, if I'm not saying, I'm not trying to disregard or discount that baptism in your life. Uh, if that was meaningful to you, if you remember that time. Uh, Great, Uh, but I would say if it wasn't meaningful, if it wasn't your personal public declaration of your faith in Christ, uh, then I would encourage you to uh, get baptized. Now, there's another baptism, and I want to get through this really quickly. But this is the one I really wanted to talk about today, and it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's living a Spirit-empowered life. Salvation is about your eternal existence. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is about your natural earthly existence. See, you can live a Spirit-empowered life. And why are they separate? Because, again, God never wanted to complicate salvation. He never wanted to put a work connected to salvation the gifts of the Holy Spirit are works. Those are works-based things that come from the Holy Spirit. They are not salvation. There are some denominations that teach you that you have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. That's not true. It's not true. Acts 8, 5-12 through 12 says, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. But when they believed, Philip... That's the first first baptism of salvation. When they believed, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, second baptism, both men and women. In Acts chapter 8, going on in verse 14, it says, "...when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, and when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit, third baptism, had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And Peter and John placed their hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit." Now, there's a lot of biased teachings against the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And part of the reason for that, and I'm going to get into some of the hesitations of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but but part of the, the reasons is because people have had bad experiences. They've had human experiences that were couched in the name of the Holy Spirit, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and not be spooky. We can. Let me show you some of the theology of this. In 1 John chapter 5, and this is a beautiful picture of the Trinity, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, which is Jesus, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, the Word and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth. right? So there's three that bear witness in heaven, there's three that bear witness on earth. The Spirit, the pneuma, the water, the public declaration, and the blood, the sacrifice on the cross, salvation. And these three agree as one. And the question for you this morning is, do they agree with you? Spirit-filled, but not spooky. Now, I used to say say something like, we can be spirit-filled and not be weird. The problem is that some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit appear to be a little weird. And so I stop saying that because there may be people in your life that you're like you're weird. And I would say no, I'm not weird, I'm different. I'm different. I've got the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. He's moving through me. See, for me as a church, who we are, I want to see signs and wonders. I want to hear testimonies of miracles that take place in your life circle. I'm asking God to heal people. We just prayed this last week for healing to take place in a little girl's life and in a pregnant mom's life. I want to see healing take place. I believe in the power and the presence of God. And if That's you. If you're like, yeah, I I believe in the power and the presence of God as well, and I'm wanting to know a little bit more, then this is the right place for you. But some are reluctant to this. And the reason they're reluctant is because, one, they're just uninformed. They're they're uninformed. And if this is you, you're in good company. Acts 19, 1 through 2 says, well, Apollos was at Corinth, while Paul was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. So these are followers of Jesus. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And I would guess, unless you grew up in, some, uh, in a Pentecostal charismatic church if you grew up in a mainline church, it is possible that you could have grown up your whole life going to church and never hear about the power and the presence and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Our primary focus should be to get people into heaven. Don't, don't lose sight of that. But it doesn't end there. Right? When we lead someone to Jesus, that's great. That's the beginning point. God has more for them. Some uninformed people might hear the word charismatic. They might hear the term Pentecostal, and they might get paranoid. Because there are people, even still today, like in Appalachia and weird places like that, that if you're from there, I don't mean you're weird. I just mean like the, that place is weird. Um, they handle snakes. Like, they say that they're charismatic, or they say they're Pentecostals, and, and so they pick up rattlesnakes, and they believe that even if they're bit, that their faith will heal them, and, uh, and I just want to tell you, they also drink moonshine. These guys are nuts. That's not us. That's, not, that's a whole different camp. I probably shouldn't, as a pastor, probably should not say that they're nuts, but that, that's, that's, that's weird. That's weird. First of all, snakes are evil. <laughs> Secondly, that's just dumb. Why would, you, why would you carry a snake that could kill you? Like, like, that's, no, that's not what this is about. And so when we hear the term charismatic, we hear the term Pentecostal, there's something inside of us that kind of recoils, and we're like, oh, man, I didn't know that we were one of these churches. You'll be surprised how many times in our newcomers' uh, time together, I tell people that we are a part of a Pentecostal uh, denomination, and they're like, whoa, whoa. We didn't know that. Like, you guys handle snakes around here? And I'm like, no, we don't. I don't like them. You know, they and one Newcomers, we had uh, we had. So I actually, a good friend of mine, still watches online. Doesn't live in town anymore, but he was like, "I didn't know you guys were a Pentecostal church. I'm out." And and I said, "Well, you know, it's interesting. The the thing that your wife um, was talk just talking about as she was walking into the building, she just got emotional. As she, just as she walked into the building, service hadn't even started yet. Uh, I could understand if she was crying because of my message, but." Uh, but she she walked in and immediately just tears, and I said, "Well, that is the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, and that's what being Pentecostal means. It doesn't it doesn't mean weird. It doesn't mean these." crazy whatever you i mean we get we are so uninformed we get our information from tv shows or or televangelists or stuff like that like like that that is that's different than what we're talking about some are uninformed and then there's others that just say i just need enough I just need enough to get to heaven. Like, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to shake things up too much. I just need enough. And so they have grown apathetic. Apathetic means, in the Greek, a pathos, without passion. Like, I don't don't go there because if I go there, I might be asked to do something I don't want to do. We live in a world right now, this is not the time to be apathetic. It's the time to go all in on the things of God. Not not for fun, but for function. For function, when we go out these walls, we need to be empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit to do the work of the ministry. Romans 12, 11 says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. The last reason is that some have fear. Some have fear. I mentioned this after the song. Come on, my soul, don't get shy on me. We're afraid. We're afraid of what people will think. We keep everything private. If I go all in with God, he's going to... Put me in circumstances where he's going to give me a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom for someone and I'm going to share it with them and they're going to think I'm nuts. They're not going to think you're nuts. I have never given someone a word that I th- feel is a prophetic word and then respond to me and say, that's crazy. Stop. Except for if they're like, that's crazy, you're absolutely right. But rarely do they say, I'm crazy. I don't think ever have they said that. See, we get afraid because we have these insecurities, and I want to quickly just tell you a a story, a a prophetic word that was given to me. I shared this at the night of worship, uh, but I recognized not everybody was there, and so I want to share it with you. Uh, I was given a word just a couple of weeks ago, a a prophetic word about uh, a box of matches, that there was a box of matches, and and in it, were matches, and then there was one match that was outside of the match. And the word that was given to me by uh, a leader in our denomination, uh, my boss, really, uh, he he pointed his finger at my chest and he said, "God's telling you, light the match. Light the match." Don't be afraid to light the match. Of course, we see throughout Scripture the Holy Spirit being referred to as fire. Like the, uh, when we see fire, it's a representation of the Holy Spirit. And, and there was no Scripture to go along that. And initially, I was like, that's a different word for me. I don't understand it. And then at the night of worship, I went and I got prayer. And, and it was a fervent prayer. There was some, a lot of zeal with that prayer. And here's what went through my head is, I wonder how people will think about this. I wonder what they're hearing. I wonder how they'll respond to this. I wonder if this will freak them out a little bit. That's what went through my head. You're pastor. And I realized in that moment that I've been so afraid to light the match that I can't control the fire. (laughs) And at the end of the day, it's not my job to control the fire. It's my job to light the match. It's my job to tell you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's your job to decide, am I going to get close enough to this thing to catch it? James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. What he has to offer you, the more that he has for you is good. If it's bad, if it's evil, it's not from him. He doesn't have the capacity to give you anything that's bad. We are people who are pursuing all that God has for us. And all that he has for us is salvation, is publicly declaring our faith, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I used to say this a lot, give us a year of your life. Come along to the things and just see if your life is different. This will be the best year of your life, if it's the best year of your life, spiritually. Get involved in, in groups, in, 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 uh, in classes. We have EHS going on right now, and, and if you've already missed out on that, get on, get on that train in the next season of it. We have a Holy Spirit class. If you're like, I don't know about this Holy Spirit thing, go and, and let Charlie Schultz teach you about more and in depth of what, who the Holy Spirit is for your life. Give us a week and see if your life changes by the end of the year. Get involved. Be a part of the community of faith. There was a scripture that I used years ago, and I want to bring it back into perspective and It's from Ezekiel chapter 47, and I'll just give you the cliff notes. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But essentially what's taking place here is uh, it says, A man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand. He measures off a thousand cubits and, and then led me through the water. Takes him into the water, and the water was ankle deep. And then he takes it even further. He measures off another, and it goes Uh, knee deep actually and then you can read the scripture for yourself and then he goes a little further and it's waist deep and he goes he measures off a little bit more and now he's in in over his head he's in the deep waters it says it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross in other words you can't control this It goes on in verse 9. It says, there will be a large number of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. When the Holy Spirit is working through your life, it brings life and health. Three baptisms. Baptism of salvation. Going to heaven. Great. That's the beginning. Publicly declare your faith in Christ through water baptism. Baptism. And God has even more for you in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to have the worship team come. We're going to baptize. And, um, and if you want to get baptized this morning, if you want to publicly declare your faith, uh, this is my mom over here. Uh, talk with her. She'll get you the stuff that you need, and we'll baptize you. Uh, even if we have to stay late, second service can watch your baptism. All right? Father, we...